This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams, and you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. So I hope that everyone had a great all-star break and just a great time in general since the last time we recorded. It's just me today. Um, I know we haven't recorded in a while, but let uh, school has been kicking my, if I could curse on this podcast, I'd sling the A word right now, but school has been kicking my butt. Work has been destroying me. I, I'm in, if you, you guys probably don't know, but um, I go to St. John's University along with Hunter and we're both in our last semester of our senior year. So our last semester of college, period, before or our last semester of undergrad. And yeah, it you would think that uh it would be easier than all the other ones, but no. Uh they it is indeed not. I'm doing a lot of a lot of stuff that for class that isn't even really necessary to be completely honest because the assignments don't actually help me, but I need them to keep my GPA up. So I'm doing that, and then right now with work, I work Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday in Manhattan, so it's the west, 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 upper west side, so I got to take a lot of public transportation. Right now, as I'm recording this, it's 3.33 in the morning in New York City. Um, I just got off of duty because I'm an RA, and we have to be in the office from 7 p.m. to midnight. Moral of the story is... I have a lot on my plate right now, but I, honest to God, do want to be better for this whole podcast thing because this is really my outlet and Hunter's outlet to get everything off our chest and just talk. And it's the only thing that we really do that's enjoyable to us. But some like we just haven't had enough time or as much time as we'd want to really do so. So that's why I'm trying to just make uh, it's three in the morning and, you know, I, I have time before I go to sleep. So I might as well try and crank one of these out. Hunter doesn't even really know I'm recording this because that kid sleeps. So I, I just figured, you know, we haven't put up an episode in a while. Let me just crank one out. And uh, yeah, but the moral of the story is we do want to be better for you guys. And we really, really, really are going to try and become a more consistent, get more consistent episodes out to you guys. But just bear with us, please. Without further ado, please subscribe to the Who Ball Nets podcast on iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts. All ratings and reviews are getting read on the podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. 
follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNet. You can follow us individually. Uh, our Twitters are in the description of the podcast, so just check those out and uh, follow us. The funny thing with my Twitter is, so I was actually locked out of Twitter for, what, let's say two days, like completely locked out of my Twitter. Because, so on my Twitter, originally, it said that my birthday was September 26, 1996. That's not actually my birthday. My birthday is September 26, 1998, which would make me 21 instead of, what, 23, 24? Which I am right now. I just turned 21, like, five months ago. And so, I don't know if my math is right on that, but a couple months ago, I turned 21. And so, I was like, oh, let's be honest with Twitter. Let's be honest on social media and change my birthday to my actual birth year. But the funny thing is I created my Twitter account in 2011, I think, or like 2012. No, I created it in 2013. I created my Twitter in 2013. I was 11 years old. I didn't use my Twitter. I just created it for like Club Penguin because you got some sort of bonus if you created like linked it to your Twitter. Like I wasn't using Twitter at 11, but you, I just made my account and never switched it. And so once I changed my birthday to 1998, Twitter's policy is that you need to be 13 when you create an account. So they realized that in 2013 when my account was created, I was actually 11 and not 13, but even though I'm 21 now, my account is invalid, which makes absolutely no sense. If I am a 21-year-old man, what does it matter that I created my account when I was 11? So for two days, I'm having an argument with Twitter about how to get back into my account because I refuse to make a new account. I will not make a new account. And so that's my little rant about how Twitter's policy is idiotic. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Adams underscore. Boom. Shout out to High Corner Coffee Company for sponsoring this podcast and every other hoopball podcast. You can find them on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. That is Kona with a K and H-I, not H-I-G-H, so H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. Check them out on Amazon. Listen to the Who Bought Nets podcast sent you. And, uh, yeah, give them some love for showing us some love. Now, let's get into to the All-Star festivities. We're going to talk about a little, like a, quite a lot this episode. But let's start with the All-Star weekend. Um, So, where, where, where do we start? We can start with the... One, I just want to say that this All-Star Weekend was actually pretty good. I feel like a lot of the All-Star Weekends leading up to this have just been like meh. And the All-Star Weekend has really just become a joke. Like, a lot of the times I'm not even really hype to watch it anymore. Because you kind of know what you're going to get. And it's not really anything spectacular. But this All-Star break was pretty sick. I didn't even get to watch a lot of the games or a lot of the stuff live because I was in LA for Valentine's Day with my girlfriend and, you know, we were doing, like, LA stuff because I've never been there. So I was really, like, on some tourists. Like, I was a, a, a true tourist. But So I didn't get to watch a lot of stuff live, but I watched everything when I got back. And I obviously have a group chat with my friends who would not let me not see something. So we could start with the Rising Stars Challenge. The Rising Stars Challenge, honestly, wasn't that... Great. Uh, I, that was probably the, the least exciting thing for me this weekend. I think that they should just do rookie sophomore again because I feel like that would be way, way, way more interesting than the whole Team USA versus Team World thing. I know that they're trying to give representation for international players, 
which makes a ton of sense. But I just think for entertainment purposes, a rookie and sophomore game would be much, much, much more entertaining. I would rather see Zion versus Trey and Luka than have someone like Svi Mikhailuk make the game just because he's an international player. Um, now you can go to the skills challenge. I'm not the biggest fan of the skills challenge. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't, like, it, it seems really quick. It doesn't draw me in very much. Uh, Bam out of bio one. Um, uh, my boy Spencer Dinwiddie did. We actually had some good representation in the All-Star weekend. We had Spencer Dinwiddie for the skills challenge, and we had Joe Harris for the three-point contest. Neither of them took home the trophy, but at least we was there. We was present. And so, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie, he did not win. He got knocked out in the first round, but he lost to Bam Adebayo, who ended up winning. So, technically, my man lost to the winner. That, uh, that's always been my policy. If I'm going to lose, I want to lose the, to the man that's going to win. Or if, I'm, if my team going to lose, I want to lose to the team that's going to win. I'm not going to be bitter because then I can say, hey, I lost to the best team. And that's Spencer Dinwiddie did. Bam Adebayo won. I can't remember who he beat in the finals. Was it DeMontis Sabonis? I think it might have been. Or was it Jason Tatum? No, I think it was Sabonis. I think he beat Sabonis in the final. But yeah, the skills challenge, I, I don't know what it is. I don't, the, the pass is probably the hardest part. The pass is the hardest part of the entire skills challenge, which the guards always seem to mess up. And the big men always seem to cash. But moving on to the three-point contest, I think that the three-point contest is the premier event on All-Star Saturday night. I know the dunk contest gets all the oohs and ahs, but the three-point contest is where it's at, I'm telling you. Buddy Heald, my, I have uh, literally the clutchest shot in three-point contest history. Nah, I don't want to say that because I know somebody's going to come and be like, well, actually, in 1962, like, nah, I'm just saying, over in the last couple of years, Buddy Heald, this was the clutchest shot in the last couple of years for me. Literally, the last, his last ball was what would win him the, the three-point contest over Devin Booker. My son did it for Kobe. And yeah, I think that was an extremely good three-point contest. My boy Joe Harris got knocked out in the first round. He was there to defend his title. He came, he showed up, he got knocked out in the first round, but he did score a respectable 22. Like, at least he didn't go out like Trey Young with 15. Trey Young went out sorry. But, I mean, considering he was in the Rising Star Challenge, this, and the All-Star Game, my man was well represented. He probably didn't really care about the three-point contest. He'll probably be in 20, plenty more. So, yeah, shout-out to Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie for representing the Brooklyn Nets at the uh, three-point contest and the skills challenge. And then on, on to... I don't even want to talk about the celebrity game. I could. I don't even think most people watch the celebrity game. I don't really care about the celebrity game. Um, the dunk contest. The dunk contest. Now, did Aaron Gordon get robbed? I think he got robbed. I I personally think he should have two chips, like he said. I think Zach, both Zach Levine and Derrick Jones were doing the same thing in the dunk off. Like, they were both doing the same dunk in different ways in the dunk off. And Aaron Gordon was getting creative. D-Wade is a homer. That man wanted Derrick Jones Jr. to win. It, does that mean Derrick Jones Jr. isn't a great junk, dunker? Of course not. That man is a monster. He, they call him airplane mode for a reason. But Aaron Gordon should have won that dunk contest. Do I think the dunk over Taco Fall was something amazing? No, I don't think it was anything too crazy. If he would have straight cleared him easy, that would have been insane. But I, I don't think it was too crazy. But I think it was good enough to beat 
Derrick Jones Jr. going between the legs 80,000 times straight. But regardless, the dunk contest was cool. Dwight Howard came, gave the Kobe tribute, which I, of course, appreciated. And then Pat Connaughton did the white man can't jump, you know, cool, nice, like pretty, pretty scripted, pretty predicted. And yeah, like it was pretty like Dwight Howard and Pat Connaughton. I could have told you Dwight was going to do some sort of Superman thing. And the white man can't jump is obviously most white people, most white men in the dunk contest going to do that. I'm, I'm just being honest. And then the all-star game itself. Now, I know everyone's raving about the whole switch up of the format of the all-star game. I'm not too sure. I would hold your horses on saying that that's the reason why the fourth quarter of the All-Star game was more competitive. I think a multitude of reasons went into that. One, I think that LeBron just wanted to... Okay, let me start with this one. I think that Giannis wanted to win really bad because of the pure ridicule and embarrassment that everyone was throwing his way about LeBron smoking him in the team picking. So I think he wanted to win bad just to shut everybody up. He ended up losing, but, you know, I think he really wanted to win just to be like, you see, the team I picked isn't that bad. Two, I think that LeBron and Giannis, like, there's some sort of tension there. There's, like, the the old regime versus the new regime. LeBron, the, the king versus the new king of the league, the new maybe face of the league, even though I don't know if, if Gian, Giannis is as marketable as LeBron, but, you know, that's a different story for a different day. And then three, I honestly do think that a lot of them were just playing hard because it was the first All-Star game after Kobe's passing and the the All-Star MVP award was named after Kobe. So a lot of people were trying to channel that Mamba mentality and go hard for the last segment of the game. I do think that the format is better. The whole start over after we get to a certain um score is pretty cool like I like that idea but I don't think that that's the sole reason as to why they tried more I think a lot of stuff went into it Giannis wanted to prove that his team wasn't cheeks um LeBron and Giannis just wanted to go at it and honestly them just wanted to ball for Kobe so as the I I, want to leave let let my judgment rock and leave judgment open for the next couple of all-star games to see if it continues to hold up also, I want to say I don't think the All-Star game should be able to be won on a free throw. I don't know about you. I want a, a break-me-down, step-back, game-on-the-line, three-jumper, layup, dunk, something. I don't think the free throw should be able to win the All-Star game. But there you are. Kawhi Leonard wins the MVP, the first Kobe Bryant MVP, All-Star MVP award, which I love Adam Silver for doing. Thank you, Adam Silver, for doing that and, and showing my man, my favorite player, my legend, my vote. Some sort of respect and admiration. Thank you. Moving on to, uh, you know, the, the big news that, that, that the Nets have, <laughs> that, that have dropped. And after this, we're going to take a quick break, but let me just get it out the way. So Kyrie, our man, our boy, our savior, our knight in shining armor, Kyrie Irving. Let me, let me take a quick drink real quick. Ooh, ain't nothing like some Gatorade. Kyrie Irving will miss the remainder of the season with the same shoulder injury that's been nagging him and bugging him and caused him to miss like 22 or 26 games earlier this season. And yeah, he's out. He's done. It's wraps for Kyrie. Wrap it up, lace him up. He's not playing for the rest of the season. The good news is he will probably be, he he's set to be ready for you know barring any setbacks for the summer workouts. And the next time that we see Kyrie take the court, he will 
most likely, if everything works out, be taking the court with his best friend, Kevin Durant, and we will be starting a new era of Nets basketball. Now, what I think it was the right move to shut Kyrie down. I've been saying this for a while. I think that the Nets are in firm position to make the playoffs regardless. And even if they don't make the playoffs, who really cares? We're playing the long game. I've said this before. It's not about this season. It's about the two or three seasons after this season. So preserving our health, keeping our guys ready and set to go next season and the seasons after that are what's important. And yes, does it suck that we won't be able to see Kyrie, who we put so much into coming into the season, play anymore this season? Yes, obviously, it does suck. But what's going to be better? I'll, I'll take the, the sucky feeling that we have now to see us raise that NBA Finals trophy in next June, to be honest. I'll, 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 with, I'll, I'll go through, withstand the torture now to get to the success later on. And so with that, I want to say thank you, Kyrie, for the couple games you did play for us. You are a monster. You gave us so many crazy memories, and I can't wait for you to give us so many more next season. We've stepped on that court with your brother, Kevin Durant. Both of them are in. Don't forget how nice Kevin Durant is. That man is a different kind of demon on the basketball court. And so is Kyrie. Them, both of them are monsters. We got two of the top seven, eight players in the league straight up. And so with that, we're going to take a quick break, but we can get back. We're going to go over the Nets' uh, last two games that they played without Kyrie. Talk about should they or should they not tank? What does Kyrie and KD miss in the rest of the season mean for them? And then talk a little bit about Joe Harris re-signing next season. Will he or won't he? What's up, y'all? And we're back. For me, it's probably been like, two milliseconds but for you it's been like 45 or 30 so you know we're back um i do want to take this time real quick though all jokes aside to say rest in peace to pop smoke um a lot of y'all might not know who that is he is a brooklyn-based rapper who was really really popping off putting new york drill music on the map yet again a lot like his music was a lot like 50 cent you know deep deep voice grindy drill rapper music and sadly he was murdered in uh his los angeles home in the hollywood hills and beverly hills a couple days ago and you know i just want to say my condolences to his family all of his fans i was a fan of pop smoke i know hunter was as well we we both grow up in new we both grew up in new york as in me and hunter pop smoke grew up in new york he was only 20 years old he's younger than me and hunter he was born in, what, 1999? Hunter was born in 1999. So him and Hunter were born in the same year. I was born in 1998. But he was only 20 years old. His life was taken from him. And, you know, it, it's just not right. But, yeah, I do want to say condolences to his family and all of his fans and everyone that supported him. And uh, that's another that's another life lost. Um, on, a, on a brighter note, though, back to the Nets. We lost to the 76ers, the first game without Kyrie for the rest of the season. We lost to the 76ers, 112-104. to <sighs> I hate talk going over losses because it's just like, especially close losses that we really should have won or could have won at least. Joe Harris, my boy, 34 minutes. So first of all, the next starting lineup without Kyrie ends up being Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Torian Prince. Jared Allen. 
Is that the best starting lineup they could have went with? I personally think that it was. This wasn't a great game for them, though. Defensively and offensively, on the defensive end, they allowed the 76ers to shoot 44.2% from the field while they only shot 35.3. We only shot 29.4% from the three-point line. The good news is, if there is any good news, we held the 76ers to 4 of 22 shooting, which is only 18.2% from the three-point line. And then we only shot 78.6% from the free throw line while the uh, the Sixers shot 91.4%. Now, we had a 20-point lead at some point in this game. So midway between like the second and third, we had a 20-point lead. And uh, that basically evaporated, my friends. Uh, we went on like a 44-8 to run. 44-8 to is insane when you really think about it. We scored 44 points in the same amount of time that it took them to score eight. That is crazy. And somehow we still lost because then they went on like a 20-0 run or they outscored us by 10 in a certain amount of time and they ended up pulling back into it. We were up at halftime. Joe Harris played 34 minutes, 12 points on four of eight shooting. He added three rebounds, not much else. From this game, really all we got to recap for the Nets Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Karis took 29 shots. He, he almost took 30 shots. 29 shots. He made nine of them. He, he had 25 points, six rebounds, five assists, three turnovers, one steal. Now, I understand that Karis needs to take over. I agree Karis should take over. I think that he's our, he's our brightest star outside of KD and Kyrie. But you got to make more than nine if you're going to take 29. That's just how it goes. Spencer Dinwiddie, he played 37 minutes, started at the point guard. He played, he scored 22 points on 7 of 19 shooting. Not much better than Karras, but, you know, he shot 5% better than him. He was one of six from the three-point line to go along with five rebounds, eight assists, two turnovers, zero steals. The 8-2 turnover to assist ratio is actually really, really good for Spencer Dinwiddie. He has shined when he's been the point guard and really initiated the offense. And this was another showing of that. We just couldn't pull out the win. Really because we allowed Joel Embiid to destroy us. He played 41 minutes. This game did go to overtime. He was 10 of 20 from the field. He had 39 points in 41 minutes. He was 18 of 19 from the free throw line. He took 19 threes. I mean, 19 threes. He took 19 free throws, yes, and missed one of them. That shows you how how dominant he is, one, and two, how much of a problem we have guarding him. We have no one that can match up with that man. Most teams don't anyway, but it's especially apparent with us. He had 16 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, two steals, and five turnovers. He gave up 19 points off the bench. To Alec Burks, he was 6 of 11 from the field. He was 5 of 5 from the free throw line. And then Tobias Harris lit us up for 22. He played a team high, a game high, 46 minutes. It was 10 of 20 from the field. He had 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Yeah, like, he, he's, not a, he's not a power forward in size. Yes, he might play the power forward. But giving up 12 rebounds to Tobias Harris, it shouldn't be happening. What should go... What I should note is that uh, Jared Allen only played 12 minutes this game. He had zero points on 0-4 shooting, two rebounds, two turnovers. He was not well. He was not good at all, not at all in the slightest bit. And Kenny felt like DeAndre Jordan was a better matchup for Joel Embiid, but you know that was wrong too because there really is no good matchup for Joel Embiid unless you're like Rudy Gobert. So there's that. DeAndre Jordan, on the other hand, had. 
played 37 minutes. He had 14 points on 5 of 11 shooting and 15 rebounds. So he dropped 14 and 15 with 4 assists. That's actually really, really, really good for DeAndre Jordan. And he, he played well. I will just say that. He played well on the offensive end. He, he, he pounced on the boards. We just couldn't guard Joel Embiid. And that's how it's going to be for most nights for most teams. Then we came back tonight and absolutely destroyed the Hornets, 115-86. to 86. That's like our second largest win margin of the entire season. Joe Harris had 12 points yet again. He was 5 of 10 from the field. Torian Prince had 14, 5 of 10 from the field. Jared Allen, he played 24 minutes compared to DeAndre Jordan's 19. But the, the Hornets don't really have a capable big man. Like No one's afraid of Cody Zeller. I'm sorry. We're, we're, no one is. And then Karras, he was better shooting this game. 29 minutes, we stuck with the same starting lineup. He had 17 points on 7 of 19 shooting. He took 10 triples, only knocked down 3, but he had 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and 6 steals, which is insane. And then Spencer Dinwiddie played 28 minutes, started at the point guard yet again, had 10 points on 3 of 10 shooting. He was 1 of 6 from the field, so that's yet again another bad shooting night from deep for Spencer Dinwiddie. And then 6 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 turnovers. Yet again, a 9-2 to two assist to turnover ratio. Really, really, really good. And hopefully he can keep that up. Off the bench, our boy, TLC. Tender love and care. 23 minutes, 21 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 4 of 7 from the 3-point line, a defensive god as well, 4 rebounds. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. He had four personal fouls, but he was a plus 19. So, you know, our boy, Timothy Luau Cabarro, our boy TLC, he, he got busy tonight. And that's what we like to see. On the other end of things, nobody in the Hornets really did much, to be completely honest. Miles Bridges was 3 of 9. He had 13 points. P.J. Washington, 16 points. Devontae Graham was 1 of 10 from the field. He only had 6 points. Terry Rozier, 4 of 11, he had 10 points. Malik Monk, 5 of 15, he had 15 points. Like, nobody really did anything, to be completely honest. The Hornets are a bad team for a reason, and, you know, we, we showed exactly why. Outscoring them 33 to 18 in the third quarter, and after that, it was basically pretty much over. Their biggest lead of the game was three, and it was only two lead changes. So we really, we really had control of this game from start to finish. I rebounded them 54 to 45. Had more assists, had more steals, had more blocks, had less turnovers. Shot 48.3% from the field, which is amazing. Held them to 35.2%. Shot a better three-point percentage, 362 compared to their 343 The free throw percentage is still bad, 73.7%. We're just glad that they're even worse at 57.1%. And, you know, this was just an overall clobbering of the Hornets, which we love to see. And so... Moving on, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people say, like, should the, ask the question, should the Nets tank? I, one, I don't think it's that easy. I don't understand what the, so right now the Nets are the 70. They're 26 and 29, well below, they're three games below 500, but well out of the 6 seed. They're not hitting the 6 seed. The Pacers are, they're, they're, the Nets are what, six and a half games back of the, of the Pacers? We're not catching up to them. So we're either going to be seven or eight. Right now, we're two and a half games above the Magic, who are 24 and 32, which would make us about five, five and a half or so games above the Wizards, who are 20 and 34. Now, when I look at the strength of scale, so, so in order to justify tanking, I would need us to be like a bottom three or to five seed. Right now, the bottom five seeds are Bulls, Pistons, Knicks, Hawks, Cavs. None of those teams have more than 
19 wins. The Nets at this point already have 26. All of those teams have at least 38 losses. The Nets have 29. So we'd have to be very, 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 very bad to actually justify, you know, tanking. Over our last 10 games, we're 7-3. and three. So I, I don't think that, you know, we're that bad. Obviously, we're, we're probably going to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. If things if the playoffs were to start today, we'd play the Raptors in the first round. They're 41-15. and 15. They're on a 9-1 and one streak in their last 10 games. They're, they're monsters. We're going to get bounced, obviously. But, like, just making the playoffs means something. I don't know if, if a lot of Nets fans still think that. I know last season a lot of us wanted to make the playoffs just to say we made the playoffs. But, you know, the playoffs are big. Like, we made the playoffs without our two best players. How many teams can say that? Our two best players were not on the roster and or were not on the court, and we still had enough talent to make the playoffs and maybe not even be the last seed. That's, that's pretty impressive if you ask me. So, no, I don't think the Nets should tank because, one, I don't think we're going to get anything out of it because we're not going to be worse than the Bulls, Pistons, Knicks, Hawks, and Cavs. And two, I want to make the playoffs. That says something. That's scary to teams. Like, damn, the Nets made the playoffs and didn't have KD or Kyrie? Them, them boys is pretty good over there. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think we should tank. That's just my opinion. No, I'd love to know 100 things because sometimes we have different opinions on things like this. And then Joe Harris. So, and, and wait, let me, let me backtrack, though. I also think it'd be really hard to tank because when you look at Tankathon, which tells you their remaining strength of schedule for all of the the teams in the NBA. The Nets have the easiest schedule of any of the other the the teams close to them in the standings. They have a better the easier schedule than the Magic, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Bulls. They have an easier schedule than all of them. The the Chicago has to play the Celtics twice, the the Nuggets twice, the Lakers once. Washington has to play. They still have to play the Bucks three times. That's three guaranteed L's for them easily. Charlotte still have to play the Bucks once, the Raptors twice, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets. That I can't see them winning any of those games to be honest. So we're not gonna tank. We shouldn't tank. It will do nothing for us. We should try and make the playoffs and, sh- and make teams scared of us. Now, Joe Harris. So the Nets are probably going to roll out the same lineup next season that we have this season, which I'm very thankful for because a lot of teams can't say the same. But the one question mark going into these, this, this offseason is Joe Harris because he is going to be an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, the free agent market this year isn't too hot outside of, like, Anthony Davis, and he's probably going to re-sign with, with the Lakers. And a lot of teams could use Joe Harris. He is the prototype shooter. Stand in the corner, drill a three. He's reliable. He, he, he tries on the defensive end. That's all you're going to need out of him most nights. So a lot of teams are going to be wanting his graces to come to his, their team. But, you know, we have some news. Our man, Joe Harris, old reliable, old loyal, we should change the name to, he says he definitely wants to resign. You know, we haven't gotten a chance to see what the Nets truly are yet. And I think Joe Harris knows that. We haven't gotten the chance to see, you know, how we look with KD slicing everyone up for 40 points a game and no one being able to guard Kyrie. Joe Harris gets way, op- way more, way easier looks 
with KD and Kyrie on the court than he would at any other time. So I think he wants to give things a shot because I could very well see the Nets being a top two seed next year and in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I don't think that he wants to miss out on that after being with us for the dark days. So I applaud Joe Harris for staying. I think he should stay. And I think that he should be a crucial part of this team going forward. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast. Thank you guys for sticking with me. Thank you guys for sticking with us. We're going to really, really, really try and be more consistent. Please subscribe to the Hoop on Nets podcast on Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can look up Hoop on Nets or Brooklyn Nets. Either way, we come up. We have a nice little logo. Um, follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. You can follow me and Hunter individually. Our Twitters are in the link of the description. Just click on there and give us a follow. We tweet a lot of stuff. We're, we're, we're crazy. We're, we're insane. So, you know, just give us a follow. We're a good follow. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Hawaiian Isles Corner Coffee Company for sponsoring this podcast and every other Hoopball podcast. You can check them out at High Corner Coffee. That's Corner with a K, H-I, and then Coffee on Twitter. Shout out to my bookie, uh, an amazing sponsor. Very, very, very happy to be with them. And, uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode, guys. Thank you. We love you. We'll see you all next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.